Hello, and welcome to our broadcast. I'm your host, Montserrat Archila, Mission Integration Manager in Providence, Northern California region. I am also deeply honored to be the co-chair of the Northern California Regional Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council. My co-chair, Victoria Kelii Ho'omalu, who is here with us and watching this broadcast has been such a driving force for this presentation today. And I just want to take a moment to thank her. Today, we're going to be talking about an incredibly accomplished Providence caregiver and his life journey to where he is today. Disclaimer, if you have any medical questions, please reach out to your primary care or healthcare professional. Let's get started. Joining me during this live event is Ernesto Olivares, who serves as the Regional Manager of Government and Public Affairs in the Providence Northern California region. Welcome, Ernesto. To get us started for today, Ernesto, please tell us, what do you do in your role for Providence? Well, I, I, I do a lot of things for Providence, uh, Monse. Uh, my, my primary role is to help connect our leadership with our local government officials, other community leaders. Uh, one of the things I find in my job that a lot of the goals and missions of some of our uh, local cities and counties really align with our work uh, as, it, as, it, as it relates to addressing homelessness, for example, housing, uh, uh, social justice, and so many other things like that. So I, I've been at the job now for, uh, for almost a year, now started in January, and I'm happy to be here. Thank you so much, Ernesto. We are so grateful to have you as part of our Providence family, and you have a long history in, in Sonoma County. Um, before we get to that, I just, you know, I want to say that, you know, part of our, our coming together today is to talk about story, your personal story and, and your journey to where you are now. And we know that storytelling is such a powerful tool that can inspire, but also connect us to one another. Would you mind, Ernesto, sharing your story with us today? Mostly, I would love to back there, but as a question, we love to and I think my I think any other in our community or stories. But I think I'll begin by saying that our family was poor, and I like to say that my parents and my siblings to a better life of poverty. Uh, where we work with farmers. Uh, the history of my father is my father as a young child. He had the opportunity to go California to the eighth grade. That was the highest uh, education that he ever obtained. Uh, my mother did not go to school. Uh, Ernesto, I'm so sorry yeah. to I'm so sorry to interrupt. It's glitchy on our end, and we are missing. The best part here, would you mind um, signing in and signing back on? Wonderful, thank you. And please bear with us as we um, move through technical difficulties. As we all know in this land of 
Zoom and Teams and Facebook live broadcasts. We uh, are always ready and uh, to encounter <laughs> to encounter um, whatever comes our way. So let's give Ernesto just a couple of moments to um, come back online here. And while we're doing that, I do want to let you know that we have a SharePoint for our diversity, equity, and inclusion work. And we will leave you with that link in the chat. And I see that Ernesto has come back to join us. Thank you so much, Ernesto, and apologies for the technical difficulties that we're experiencing. We're going to do a quick check here to make sure that Ernesto can hear us. Thank you. Thank you. I think we're still having some technical difficulties. I'm hearing a lot of feedback. Uh, I can hear uh, kind of a delay in, in the conversation. I can help, help hear myself as well. Uh, so I don't know how to correct that. Let's see here. So we're going to take just a moment. Wonderful that I can hear you just fine. So I'm going to let you tell your story and I'm going to mute my mic and hope that that helps. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. I, I think we're ready to roll. I think things are working out fine now. Good. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, let me go back and start all over again. I think what, I think this is very important as part of my story is to really share with the group that, uh, and this is a story that I share often, but I want to say is that I was born dirt poor in Mexico. My family was born dirt poor in Mexico, uh, but they brought their family to a better life of poverty here in the United States where we worked as farm workers. As I mentioned before, my father had come to the United States as a young child with his mother, was able to go to school in Fresno to the eighth grade. That was the highest education he attained. My mother did not go to any type of public school, uh, but she was, uh, I guess you would say she was homeschooled. She, know, she learned to read, write Spanish. Uh, my father eventually came back as a baracero, uh, as a young man, and eventually decided to settle in California. So he began to uh, court my mother and started a family. They got married, started a family in Mexico. Uh, he would travel back and forth as he started his family, uh, but eventually decided that he wanted to bring us all here. So there were uh, four of us at the time that were down in Mexico along with grandma. And uh, he moved us all to Calusa, California. And in Calusa, California, we worked as farm workers. Eventually there would be three more of us. So there was a total of seven siblings that they raised in Calusa, California. But it was very interesting to uh, grow up a little bit isolated, growing up in a, in a different country, uh, learning a new language. Uh, and I remember going to school eventually and noticing how Things were different. It's kind of noticing when I went to school that I was I was different. I wasn't like the other kids. Uh, I remember how uh, looking at other kids, looking at the food that they ate, for example, during lunchtime. I'm trying to eat up eat a, a burrito, and they're they're having these fancy bologna sandwiches, for example, and, and being envious of that. But I also noticed that by the time I got into uh, second grade. My teacher was having a hard time pronouncing my name. She could not say Ernesto. So suddenly I, I become Ernest in grade school. I am now Ernest. And I was kind of liking it because it was a little bit different. I felt like I was fitting in. By the time I got into uh, junior high school, uh, my name was uh, suddenly changed to Ernie. And I was liking it even more. It was almost like I was living two different lives. I was Ernie. I was trying to 
fit in uh, with my with the other children at school. But at home, I was still Ernesto and, and kind of living a different life. And and I didn't really the realization that we were poor did not really settle in until I started seeing how other people lived. Uh, the first time I had an opportunity to visit somebody's home and realizing that their house had carpeting. It, it wasn't just bare plywood floors like we had at our ranch house in Calusa. They had silverware that matched, their dishes matched. And I was starting to feel, I guess I would say almost embarrassed about how I lived. Uh, and it was interesting growing up uh, later on in life that I don't remember ever having friends come over to visit my house and, and to play unless they were as poor or poorer than I was. Because I guess to a certain extent, again, I was envious of how they lived and I just started feeling more and more different. Uh, and I think that continued on too, as I got older, uh, noticing some of the, some of the stories that people, that student, other students would tell. example is that I remember in grade school, uh, coming back from summer vacation, there was a classroom assignment where we had to write uh, an essay about what we did on our summer vacation. And I remember other students writing about going on trips, they're going camping, they're going fishing, uh, they're going to all these exotic places that I knew nothing about. And I started to lie in my essays because I wanted to be like them. I didn't want to say that I spent my summer on my hands and knees picking prunes with a family, that we were going someplace else to pick prunes, that we were picking walnuts. And so uh, again, I, I, I guess I learned to be ashamed of how we were living. And, and that continued on where uh, even growing up in high school, uh, again, wanting to fit in, but also really realizing that other people treated me a little bit differently. I didn't have the teachers that really believed in me that said, uh, Ernesto, you can do anything you want. Uh, I never I never had any of those messages. My dreams, my dreams as a child on my hands and knees picking prunes was that I did not want to be doing that when I grew up. I wanted to be that man that was driving that truck that is taking the prunes to the dryer. I wanted to be that man that was on the tractor knocking the prunes off the trees. That's as high as I was really dreaming. I didn't know that anything else was possible. And it really wasn't until uh, the summer uh, before my senior year, working out in the orchard with my father, uh, my older brother already left the house. My oldest sister had already left the house. And I think my father looking around and kind of realizing that as best as he tried, he probably could have had a better plan for us. But I'm out there with him. It was it was a year that we had a wonderful crop. Uh, so I was out there helping him kind of support the tree limbs of the prune trees so that they wouldn't break because the crop was so heavy. And I remember him stopping and him taking a small little stubby cigar out of his mouth. And he kind of looked around and he looked at me and he says, you know, Mijo, he says, you don't have to do this. He says, you can do anything you want, but don't do this. He said, it will kill you. And nobody had ever told me that. Nobody in all my years at school had ever told me that I could do anything that I wanted to. And it really uh, made me reflect on what it is that I wanted to do. And for some reason, I don't know if it was a calling or what it was, but I decided I want to be a police officer. I didn't know police officers. Like as a young kid, I was afraid of the police like anybody else. Uh, I was afraid of people in uniform. I remember as a young boy 
uh, seeing uh, immigration officials come onto the property and seeing people run, for example. And even though we were here legally, I still hid like everybody else. I was afraid. But for some reason, I decided to pursue that career. But I'll tell you, one of the greatest things that my father uh, did for me is that early on, he decided that he wanted to go back to school to become a U.S. citizen. He, he used to read the newspaper. He'd watch uh, the television. He'd watch the news. But I wanted to have a voice. He wanted to have a voice uh, as, as a resident here. So uh, he was able to obtain citizenship for himself and for those of us that were born in Mexico. But one of the things that he did after becoming a citizen is besides voting, is that he would take time off from working in the fields to go and volunteer at the polling uh, locations to register people come in and to check them off. And for him, that was his civic duty. It was his civic duty to do that. And I always remember that. And, and I don't know to what extent that inspired me in the work that I have done over the years, becoming a council member, for example, later on. But anyway, with his help and my mother's help, I was able to go to junior college and to the police academy and uh, eventually was able to get a full time job here in Santa Rosa, California, where I came to work as a police officer. And I'll tell you what, I thought uh, I thought to myself, it's kind of like Ernesto, this is it. You've accomplished everything you've ever wanted to accomplish. This is it. There's no place else to go. You can just finish off the rest of your career doing this. But I was wrong. I learned that there's still so much to do in our communities, uh, so much to do even in my own role in law enforcement. I tended to gravitate towards roles that focus on you and families. Uh, and I also found that there was a life outside of law enforcement and I became engaged in other community organizations and nonprofits uh, because there was so much to work in our communities. But also reflecting back on how, on how I was raised and my own background, and realizing that I needed things to be better for others. And I think that as well. Uh, so uh, initially I was, I was promoted, I promoted to sergeant, I promoted to lieutenant. And uh, one of my greatest uh, memories is, is being promoted to a lieutenant and having my mother come to visit me from Calusa. She's much older now, uh, uh, has arthritis, has, she's developing Parkinson's, her hands are not as steady. But I wanted, her to be, I wanted her to be there with me to see that moment when I was going to be, have my, my new badge pinned on me as a police lieutenant. And I asked my mother to pin it on me. My wife helped her. Uh, but I remember my mom, just the pride in her face uh, as she put the badge on my uniform. And then she stopped and she rose her hand to my head and I knew what was coming. She was going to give me the bendición, a blessing. So I, I bowed my head. And she gave him my, my blessing. And it was interesting because people in the audience started to chuckle and laugh. I think there's more nervousness because they didn't know what was going on. But once they realized what my mother was doing, you could hear a pin drop. They let her finish her blessing. And I'll tell you, she was just so happy. And I thought that was the happiest I'd ever see her with my accomplishments. But again, we never know where we're heading. Uh, I retired as a police uh, lieutenant decided to run for city council, I was elected. And in 2010, I was selected by my peers to become the, the, the mayor of Santa Rosa, the first Latino mayor of Santa Rosa. And I'll tell you what, my mother, again, the pride in her face to be able to tell her friends and her comadres that que mi hijo es el alcalde de Santa Rosa, my son is the mayor of Santa Rosa. And I just felt so happy 
to see her um, to realize that all the sacrifices that she and my father made uh, came to, came to realization. Really, you know, I, uh, my my father my father passed in 1988. Uh, my father actually took his own life. My father uh, was a caregiver. He was a provider, and I think he really saw that as as his role. As he started to age, became very feeble, was not able to work any longer. I think he saw himself as a burden on the rest of the family and my mother. Uh, and I think, again, for him, I tru truly believe that he felt that his work was done. There's nothing more he can contribute, and he would not be a burden to anybody else. So during the harvest of 1988, uh, other people had to come and do the work that he used to do. So for the most part, I think he felt that he was useless now, and he took his own life. And I'm sorry that that, that, that happened, but again, I greatly value the contributions and the sacrifice uh, that he and my mother made so that I could be here in this country. Um, and, and I really take to heart a lot of the things that they did provide me and my siblings as well, because again, they worked hard. Uh, and I think sometimes uh, we forget to look back at uh, the, the things that our parents have done for us. Um, and even telling my own story, when I talk to youth, I ask them, have, have conversations with your parents. That's one of the things I really regret for myself is that I never took the time to sit down with my father or my mother to really ask them, why did you bring me to this country? We can all make assumptions that they wanted a better life for their children, but why did you choose that? What, what, what went through your mind? Uh, why here? Why Calusa? Why did you do the things that you do? Uh, and I have shared that with other, with children, and I'm happy when they, when they come back and say that I did that. And, and they liked it because, you know, we only have so many opportunities to do that. But the value of hearing the stories that their parents share with them and the message to not forget your story, because our stories are powerful. They were just so powerful. Uh, and, I, and I shared with you how I felt a little bit embarrassed about how I was raised. For over 25 years, over 25 years working in law enforcement, I never ever shared my personal story with my peers because I continued to want to fit in. It wasn't until I saw more and more young Latinos in our community that looked just like me that I said, I have to share this. Uh, things are possible for them to do. I remember when I was mayor, I, I was asked by the principal at LCL in high school if I would come and give some welcoming remarks to the students during career day. So I walked into the uh, gymnasium there at LCL in high school. I had my suit on, looking like a mayor. And I came in and the kids probably thought, oh, well, here's the mayor, you know, you know, and I walk in and I, and I shared a little bit of my story about who I was. Because if you don't know LCL, LCL is a very diverse school. you to give commencement address graduate for high
the story with doing class at LCO in high school. And it was one to hear parents approach me to say, for you, you share your story with us at a graduate. Uh, and that really empowered me uh, to really start sharing and taking my identity back. I took back the name of Ernesto. I was not earning anymore. I felt comfortable in sharing who I was and sharing my story. I didn't care what you said because uh, should not allow others to buy stories for us. It is ours. Thank you so much, Ernesto. It was a little um, glitchy, the last piece, but I was, you know, listening. And I think what I what I captured that you said is that you had parents that came back or teachers that came back and said, I know you and that you you remembered that and that you took your name back. You took Ernesto back. Did I catch that correctly? And it's just to be proud of who I am, to not be ashamed of who I was from There are people that me like who I am, and I'm proud of that. Yeah. You know, so much of, of what you said resonates with me personally. I'm also an immigrant to this country. And, you know, you and I had a, a brief phone call yesterday. Um, just kind of sharing our stories and really never we've we've crossed paths. We've been in meetings together. And this is the first time that we are, you know, we're sitting in this in this common space together. And I feel such a connection to you because of what you just shared with with me and with all of us that are listening today. Um, the story of your name changing. <laughs> I have, you see on the screen for those of you that are watching, uh, Montserrat is not a common name and can be a very difficult name. And so it got shorter and shorter over the years. I just, I resonate with that so much. And also, you know, what you shared about your, your family and your parents telling you that there is a wide open world for you out there and thinking about and resonating with me with that conversation that I that my parents had with me as well, that just said the world is open to you, Miha. Yeah. yeah. So I I just so appreciate um, everything that you shared, and there's just so there's so much, and we have thirty precious minutes with you <laughs> today. So I'm going to ask you uh, one more question, and then um, we'll close. Before we do, I'm wondering if the air uh, buds are maybe interrupting with the sound. So let's see if we can try to remove and maybe that will help a little bit. Okay. And while you're doing that, Ernesto, you know, I was thinking about and reflecting on what you said in terms of, of not sharing your story, you know, because of shame that you felt um, you know, same with me, really kind of deciding who I share my story of immigration with and who I don't. And, you know, in part, especially in these last few years with the rhetoric around immigration and how divisive it has been, what keeps you motivated and inspired to continue to share your story, to continue to push forward? What keeps you inspired? 
Yes, I had a little bit of feedback. Uh, I'm sorry, I think that's part of the question. Sure, I'll ask it one more time. And especially in these last few years with the rhetoric around immigration and how divisive it has been, what keeps you motivated and inspired to keep pushing forward? I am so sorry, Ernesto. Let's try one more time because we cannot hear you. Apologies. Please bear with us, everyone. Okay, let's do a tester. No. Unfortunately, we cannot hear you. Would you like to log in and log back on one last time? And again, while we're waiting for Ernesto, there is a wonderful um, narrative that he created that is on YouTube. We will also be putting that in the chat so that you can hear more about Ernesto's story. And we are back. How am I now? Perfect. So okay. I'll let you take it away. So I think you were talking about what keeps you motivated, right? I think it was. Well, mm -hmm. I, it goes. it goes back it goes back to my parents, Monse. That's what keeps me motivated. Just uh, their compassion for others, their caring for others. People who grew up with so little that they always had room for more. Meaning, uh, raising a family of seven plus grandma. Grandma was with us all the time too. But there was always room for one more. You could have somebody drop in unexpectedly, and there was always plenty of food for everybody. My father and mother were so giving that I remember. Even during the Thanksgiving holidays, for example, my father wanted to make sure that everybody had something to eat. He would actually go down and rent the small veterans hall in Calusa, California. I don't know how he did it, but he rented the hall. And he, he and my mom, they would cook, I don't know, five, six turkeys. And there was all kinds of relatives and other people that were invited because he wanted people to have food. He wanted people to celebrate together. And, and I enjoy doing that now. I enjoy getting together with the people to celebrate and eat and share a meal. But they inspire me. They will always continue to inspire me and do what I do. I cannot, I cannot waste the opportunities that they gave me. I can't waste the sacrifices that they made to bring me here. I think they did it for a purpose. Whatever that may be, I didn't have a chance to ask them. I can only make assumptions. So I need to do everything that I can as long as I have the energy to do it. Uh, you know, I've already failed at retirement twice, you know, but, but I keep going. I don't know what will come be, be, beyond Providence, but I love what I'm doing now because I'm still interacting with a lot of our vulnerable populations out in our communities. I just love what I do. Uh, I hope that what I do uh, inspires my own children. I hope it inspires others in our community. And I will never stop uh, helping to inspire others to remember their story, to share their story. Uh, to not let others write it for them, uh, but they really took, take ownership and take pride in who they are. And this, though, I am, I am so inspired by you. Thank you so much. And if I may, is that your parents behind you on the wall? Yes, that's my that's my dad, my my dad Jose Concepcion, and my mom Maria Luz. Yes. 
Well, we are so grateful to them and we are so grateful to you for just being so open and sharing today of your story and your history. We are, um, I just, I really, we are just so grateful. Thank you so much. And I just want to read a comment. Um, Ernesto Sal says, Ernesto, thank you for your service and for sharing your story. Your passion is evident. It was a pleasure listening to you today. Thank you. Thank you. And on that note, we will close today's session. Um, again, thanking Ernesto so much for your time, for being with us today. Thank you everyone for listening and sending in your comments. Again, if you're looking for medical advice, please visit providence.org and make sure that you follow us at on social media at Providence on Twitter and under Providence Health System on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Thank you again, everyone, for joining us. Have a wonderful day.